Welcome to Living the Good Life Podcast, where we bring you messages, thoughts, and advice for living the good life. Today's message is brought to us by Brother Larry Dishman. When I ask you to take your Bibles and turn with us to the book of St. John, the 20th chapter, and I would like to begin reading at verse number 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lying, the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away unto their own home, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. They say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboniah, which is to save master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Today we celebrate the greatest day in the history of the world. Today we celebrate the great truth that Jesus Christ, who was crucified on a Roman cross, died and rose from the dead three days later. This one truth is what sets Christianity apart from every other belief system in the world. Every founder of every religion 
that's ever existed has died. However, only one has risen from the dead, and that's Jesus Christ, our Savior. And if we were to strip Christianity of the doctrine of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, then our faith would be no more than just any other religious system condemning the souls of men to a devil's hell. But I'm glad to announce to you today that he's still alive. He's alive today. It would have been a wasted life if he did not rise from the dead. Amen. Now, having said that, I want to say he lives. Praise God. Jesus Christ is very much alive this morning. And I praise God. For St. John, the 20th chapter, calls here, it gives us a portrayal of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Redeemer. That's who he is. And as we celebrate the truth that Jesus lives this morning, I'd like this to take a few minutes and just catch a fresh glimpse of the resurrection and what it means to us as the people of God. Thank God because we serve this resurrected Redeemer. Friend, we can have life now. And thank God throughout eternity, we can enjoy our great salvation. Let's look for a little while today at Jesus, this resurrected Redeemer. First of all, we find Mary at the tomb. Mary came to the tomb a good while before daylight. And when she arrives, uh, she finds that the stone has been rolled away, that the tomb is empty. And immediately she runs to find the disciples and lets them know that the Lord is missing from the tomb. And when they heard this news, Peter and John uh, ran to the tomb to see exactly what's happened. And when they arrived, they both saw the linen clothes there undisturbed and the napkin that had been around his face lying folded all by itself now i'd like to say a word about the linen clothes and uh, the bible says the linen clothes were lying there this means they looked exactly like they were still around the body of jesus you see the burial spices would have hardened these clothes around the body and it would have formed a cocoon. Another truth to note that the very scene is very orderly and undisturbed. Had the body been taken by grave robbers, other wrappings around the body, they would not have been left in such an orderly fashion. But my friend, we find the napkin had been removed and it had been folded. Peter and John went away from the tomb, but Mary stayed behind to weep and to mourn the loss of her Lord. Why did she stay? I believe she loved Jesus because the Bible tells us that Mary had been delivered from a deep life of sin, dreadful sin, and she loved Jesus. Amen. And she was devoted to him. The redeemed soul 
will definitely love Jesus. And when you stop to think of all that Christ has done for us, dear ones, how could we keep from loving him? When we think about the price that he paid, how could we not love him? Mary sets the right example of love and devotion for all the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The question that comes to our mind this morning, do we really love him like we ought to love him? And then we find Mary's darkness. Amen. Mary had her eyes focused on the physical rather than the spiritual. And all she saw was an empty tomb. It never entered her mind to consider the greater truth that Jesus had not been stolen, but Jesus was alive. And we might all weep with her. But may I remind you this morning that you and I serve a risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We serve the only one who went to Calvary and died for the sins of the world. And he rose from the dead and he lives forevermore. I say, praise God for Jesus Christ. And I like the song that says, I serve a risen Savior. I like to look in the book of Acts and the fourth chapter and verse number 33. And here the Bible says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Friend, if we believe that the Bible is the word of God, we're not going to have any difficulty whatsoever believing in the literal, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. The acts of the apostle. Amen. They opened by telling us that Jesus Christ showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs throughout the New Testament. The resurrection either proclaimed or it's assured to us to be a fact. We're told in the closing chapters of the Gospels and of Paul's epistles that Jesus Christ did literally rise from the dead and he showed himself alive and he appeared unto his disciples time and time again. They saw him after the resurrection and they were able therefore to describe the word of life as that which they have seen with their eyes. Amen. But to the evidence of the sense of sight, there's also added the sense of touch. For when the disciples were frightened and supposed that it was a spirit, our Lord said this, Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And remember the words of Thomas in the word of God, except I shall see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my fingers into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe, but how graciously our Lord condescended to the dullness of his mind 
when he said to Thomas personally, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. As further proof of the resurrection of his body, our Lord ate a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb before them all. Amen. And my friend, he accompanied with them in his resurrection body. After Christ had ascended into glory, the apostolic preachers made the truth of his resurrection the burden of their message. And we read where the chief priest and the scribes, amen, were grieved that they taught the people and they preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank God, friend. Regardless what religion says, it really happened just as the Word of God says. The resurrection is verifying in the Word that Jesus was a prophet. God sent the prophets. Then at last of all, God sent His own Son. And the Word that was made flesh, Jesus Christ Himself. If you got anything to say, and you say God gave it to you, if it contradicts what Jesus said, I'm going to let God be true and every man a liar. I appreciate him giving his last drop of blood that I might have life and I might have it more abundantly. Now with all this in mind, let us determine that this Sunday morning we will no longer hang our heads in brokenness and sadness but rather that we'll learn to rejoice in a living Savior. How does your relationship with the Lord Jesus move you in your devotion of Him? Friend, He is genuinely alive and He's living in your heart if you're a true child of God and there'll be manifestations of His presence in your life if you're a true child of God. Because everybody that gets saved, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he's made a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. First of all, let's think about the message at the tomb. There were two angels at the tomb. These angels have been dispatched from God to bear witness to the truth that Jesus is alive from the dead. There's a message of absolute hope and perfect assurance. I want us to notice these angels are sitting, a posture of absolute peace. And if there had been trouble at the tomb, you can be sure that these angels would have been busy. Yet they sit as if to say, everything's well. Amen. Secondly, these angels appear to be at perfect rest. It is as if they are telling us this morning, the work is over. You can rest now. Amen. In fact, every other time angels are pictured in the Bible, they're attending to the business of God. 
but now they're at rest. What a lesson for the lost soul this morning. Because Jesus lives, you can rest from your labors of sin. God doesn't want you just to try to turn over a new leaf and try to do better and try to work your way to heaven. No, friend, he wants you to come by repenting and placing faith in the work that Jesus accomplished 2,000 years ago. He wants you to trust his death, his resurrection, not trust in yourself, but your hope has got to be built on Jesus Christ and his righteousness. All other ground is seeking sand. Verse 13 indicates that these angels, their question is designed to turn on the light in Mary's heart. It's as if they were asking, should you be weeping? Doesn't this empty tomb call for rejoicing? But Mary, like so many of us, seems determined to live by sight rather than to walk by faith. Often we fail to discover the deep spiritual blessings because we refuse to look beneath the surface to see what the Lord is trying so desperately to reveal to us in our Christian walk. So we have Mary at the tomb. We have the messengers at the tomb. And we have the Messiah at the tomb. Oh, Mary's confusion. In her weeping, she realizes that she isn't alone at the tomb. She sees a man standing near her, but she doesn't recognize it's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Isn't that just like us? Friend, we have the promise in the word of God, in the book of Hebrews, And the 13th chapter and verse number 5, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. That's the promise in the word of God. You can take it to the bank this morning. God will never leave you as a Christian. He'll never forsake you. But we fail to see him in our circumstances. Time and time again, he's a risen Savior. And he's always involved and what involves you. Friend, if you'll look, you'll always find Jesus. 100% of the time, you'll always find Jesus during your times of need. And then we have the confrontation. Jesus now asks Mary two questions. They're designed to expose her to the truth. Why weepest thou? Why do you weep when you could be rejoicing? Secondly, who are you seeking among the dead? Why do you look for he that is alive among those who are dead? These questions were designed to remind Mary that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He had just told her that in John 11. 25, this is to remind her that he is the prince of life, according to Acts the third chapter and verse number 12. Friend, the one 
who would lay down his life and take it again. According to John 10 and verse number 18. Amen. According to John 14 and verse number 6, we find that he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. I tell you, it's interesting to note that Mary turned herself around after speaking to Jesus and continued to stare into the tomb, weeping. Amen. The tomb is a place of death, but the Savior is life. Amen. Where are you looking this morning? There are others. They steadfastly refuse to look at the only one who can save them from an eternity in hell. Sinner friend, Jesus Christ, this one that died and rose again, he's the only one that can save you from death and from hell. Amen. So which way are you turned this morning? Are you turned towards Jesus or are you turned towards the tomb? When Mary doesn't respond to his questions, the Lord simply says, Mary. Amen. This isn't the voice of the creator calling the creature. This isn't the voice of the master calling the servant. This is the voice of the shepherd calling out to a struggling sheep. You might be a struggling sheep, but Jesus is calling you. According to John 10, 4, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And one word from the great shepherd and the weeper is turned and transformed into a worshiper. It just took one word from Jesus, changed her from a weeping saint to a worshiping saint. Amen. He still whispers sweet peace to the individual. That'll meet the conditions. Mary immediately calls him master. She responds to his voice by affirming her love and her devotion to Jesus Christ. And this ought to be the immediate response of every child of God when they hear the voice of God. God help us to say yes, Lord. What do you want me to do? We see the messengers at the tomb. We see the Messiah at the tomb. And we see the message from the tomb. It's an unusual message. Mary was told to go tell the disciples that Jesus was alive and that he had ascended back to the Father. It was to be a message of hope, a message of blessing to those who mourned his death. Amen. It's an unchanging message. Friend, there's three parts of this message that will never change. The first part is according to Revelations 1.18, he's alive forevermore. That will never change. Secondly, we're still commanded to come and see. And after we come and see, we're to do the same thing. Go and tell. The world needs to hear from people who have been to the tomb and know that Jesus is alive. The world needs to hear about the Savior that you serve. Thirdly, all who come to the tomb and see and who will place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ 
will be saved from their sins, born again on their way to heaven. 6,000 years of recorded human history. The most important message that's ever been heard is this. He is not here. That was an important message. It's still important this morning. He's not here. Thank God forever. He's a risen. Do you know the risen Savior today? Are you trusting him for salvation? The Bible tells us. 1 Peter 1, 18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. Don't need no more blood of any more goats and calves and heifers and lambs. This is permanent blood. Amen. All the history of the world, Calvary's the place. Where men have done the worst they ever did. But God did the best they ever did. When Jesus arose from the grave. The difference between the atonement is set forth in the Old Testament. And as presented to us in the New Testament. In the former case. The sheep died for the shepherd. In the latter case the shepherd died for the sheep. The supreme court of the universe declared that he had paid the penalty for man's transgressions. He satisfied the claims of justice. There's a nice tombstone here in Newark, Ohio that marks the place where Brother Emerson Wilson was laid to rest. But we as Christians rejoice in not some great monument or tombstone. We're here rejoicing in an empty tomb. He's not there. He's arisen. Amen. And why did he do what he did on the cross? His mission can be summed up in one word. Love. He did what he did because he loved you, sinner friend. Jesus loved you. He said, you don't know me. You don't know the life I'm living. Revelation 1 5 says unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Romans 5, 8 says, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. No, it wasn't the cruel spikes driven to his hands and feet by the Roman soldiers that held him to that accursed cross. It was love that held him there. Love sent him. Love sustained him. And love was his ability. Thank God for Jesus. In Luke 19, 30, it says, it is finished. This is a statement of a victor and not a victim. For a time, the fellowship between the father and son had been broken. Now it's restored fully. Jesus has suffered at the hands of cruel men. And now he recommits himself to the loving hands of his father. And that word commend was a banking term. It meant to deposit something of value. Heaven's great treasure, Jesus, had been withdrawn and sent to this earth to spend himself for lost sinners. He did it for you. He did so fully. And upon 
completing history's greatest redemptive transaction, he redeposited himself, now more valuable than ever, back into heaven's banks at the Father's hand. Notice, it was Jesus himself that gave up the ghost. No man killed him. He laid down his life freely. And he laid down his life for you. And he laid it down for me. And this to me is one of the most touching parts of the message. Jesus hung on that tree with one bloody arm extended who accepted the invitation of forgiveness and eternal life. And without favoritism, the other bloody arm also extended to the one who he knew was going to reject his offer. It didn't matter to the Redeemer. He shed his blood for all. And this morning he's still reaching to the acceptor of the invitation. He's still reaching to the rejecter. Even though God in his wisdom and knowledge knows you'll reject him, he still calls you. He still reaches out his bloody arm, saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Oh, the thief said, and you're the king, just come down and save us and save yourself. But silence seemed to say, you just wait three days and three nights, and I'll show you that it's better to get up out of a grave than to come down from a cross. He could have came down, and the whole world would have been plunged into hell. You too, my friend, but he loved you. Regardless of what you do with Jesus this morning, you're never going to be able to forget what he did for you. You may die and go to hell, but I'm going to tell you right now, throughout the ceaseless age of eternity, you'll be like the rich man in hell. Son, remember. One of the things that you're going to remember is Jesus died for you. One of the things you're going to remember that he paid the price that you could escape the damnation of hell. You're never going to be able to get that out of your mind. 10 million years and on and on. You're going to be remembering. I didn't have to come here. Jesus paid the price. Have you ever seen yourself as a poor sinner and realized that Jesus truly died for your sins? Have you ever acted on the realization and come to him asking him to forgive you of all your sins, repenting, turning from your sins, placing faith, in the Son of God. If not, this morning, He'll save you if you'll come. Thank you for listening. If you found this message helpful, please share this episode with your friends on Facebook, Messenger, or your favorite social media. If you have questions or suggestions, please message us on Facebook by searching Living the Good Life Show. A big thank you to Sister Rachel Fowler for all of her editing expertise. Until next time, keep living the good life.